dangerous people, Jessica. This is not your world. I know what I'm doing. Carl Jeffries was shot three times. I'm just trying to find out why. Probably thought it'd be a good idea to keep an eye on her. Wake up. She's keeping an eye on you. Do you really think I'm capable of murder? What do you do for Pat and Gann? Pearson, season one, episode four is over. And if you're ready to hear us talk about the deputy mayor, then suits yourself. I'm Rob Sister, and back here with the guy who gets all your signatures. It's Chappelle. Chappelle, how are you? I'm good. I just finished canvassing the neighborhood looking yes. for those signatures that you talked about. Oh and, boy, uh, are our I- feet tired that part you know i've actually been looking for subscribers still because i'm still pushing a recap kickback like it's you know like i like i'm like a drug pusher rob it's mm-hmm. what i do well, yeah not drugs you know specifically but i'm like a drug drug pusher you know right but similar right yeah, definitely not a drug dealer but you know i'm a pusher katie that's all <laughs> okay all right so this was the the uh deputy mayor where it was a new character the deputy mayor have we seen him before yeah, yeah we've never met lloyd before he lloyd. showed up to he sh- yeah he showed up and i guess that's very, you know, indicative of like a vice president, deputy mayor situation, where it's like the per- the person, the president, the mayor, they're the face of this organization and everybody only cares about what they think about things until they're gone. And then the VP or, you know, the deputy mayor wants to step in and actually start to do their job. And everybody's like, wait, who left you in charge? Why did you end up here? Mm-hmm. Because uh, it seems like in this universe, the deputy mayor of Chicago ha- is, has been around for a while, but he's very much a figurehead. You know, he's like, he's there to do photo ops and do just like kind of goofy stuff around the community. Yeah. He doesn't actually get any say so in the governing of Chicago. Yeah. It seemed like that because uh, the mayor is so young that this was sort of like uh, where that they wanted to put like a more like senior person with him. I mean, um, kind of like when like, uh, you know, Obama was uh, like running and they're like, okay, well like uh, he needs like a, a more senior vice president to be then like to show them the ropes. Yeah, this happens a lot of times on political tickets. You know, you get like um, old white men. And so you have to balance them with some type of minority that's going to get the minority votes. Mm-hmm. And so and so this time you got a young white man. So it's like, OK, what minority can we go to? That's not what this old is, right? Man. This is definitely the same concept, right? <laughs> oh, no, you talking about me and you? Oh, yeah, <laughs> probably. Uh, but no, <laughs> I I wouldn't think that at first glance. No, I'm joking. But uh, no, this was definitely them saying we need somebody to get the the old person's vote the the people who have been here for the history of the Chicago right of like the people who've been here since day one they don't want some young kid telling them about their city this is a, a city that has a rich heritage and we need somebody who understands it and who has been in the trenches who's seen the city grow into what it is we need Lloyd I don't think I caught Lloyd's last name but Deputy Mayor Lloyd yeah. is what I've been Let's talking. See. I'm about. sure we could find it. The Suits Wiki is very extensive like they have uh, very like thorough recaps of everything Lloyd Triple. Deputy Mayor Triple H. Richard Green. Yeah, H. Richard Green, who I don't think I know. Have you ever seen this man before? I don't know. Have we ever seen H. Richard Green before? Uh, H. Richard Green, looking on his IMDb. Uh, H. Richard Green. Uh, I guess he was on Mad Men for a bunch of episodes. According to Jim, Ally McBeal, Boston Legal. Veteran actor. Yeah, he had like 98 through like 2000 or something like that, like locked up. He was making all the all the shows. But even I'm looking, I'm looking at back in the 80s, even yeah. he was everywhere. I I the jury, Hill Street Blues, Fame, I, Matlock. This man has been all yeah. over the place. So if you're looking for a veteran, a deputy mayor that is like seasoned, this guy has, you know, he has the pedigree. He's good. Um, 
little bit of a spoiler from after going to his IMDb. Uh, apparently, uh, he is in just this one episode. So don't expect the deputy mayor to be having a big storyline. No, 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 no. I, I kind of thought he was going to be like a new character. No, I did not. A lot of these ep- episodes have been named after the one-off character that we get. We saw the alderman. We saw the um, the deputy mayor this time. I can't remember what the second person we got, but uh, mm-hmm. superintendent. You know, so I, I've been seeing that pattern. We get like a monster of the week. And this guy, he was this week's tackle for uh, for Jessica. But Jessica never even comes in contact with the deputy mayor. This is more like oh. a, a like a side quest. For with Derek. The deputy mayor, Derek, and Carrie. Carrie. Exactly. Yeah. Okay, yeah, we didn't even see Bobby in this episode. He's off at the Mayo Clinic uh, with uh, his wife as she is uh, getting some treatment for her MS, which is being uh, kept a big secret here at uh, City Hall. So could I go to the end of the episode? Can we talk about, like, the, I guess, headline uh, here? So at the end of the episode, we saw Nick, okay? Uh, We got a little bit more information about uh, the big murder that we were looking at uh, all throughout the season where um, we see that Jessica is investigating what's going on with Carl, the man who was murdered, and that we got to see his photos. And we see at the end of the episode that Nick goes to church. He goes to, Jessica goes to church too, but Nick goes to confessional and he talks to the priest. And then um, he's talking about a man that he killed. And he says, Tommy Deal didn't deserve to die. This is a different person? Yeah, I'm like, who the hell is that? Yeah, who's that Tommy, Tommy Deal? Yeah. What's I, the I deal went, with Tommy? <laughs> I wanted to Google it, but I was like, oh, I guess that might be a spoiler. Yeah, I, I didn't. I was g- like, I, just, I, I thought maybe we had seen this person, their name had come up before, and maybe, like, we know him? But I don't think we do. Do we know him? Not that I can think of. Yeah. Like, it felt like a random name. But even, did you notice that the priest kind of looked like Tommy Deal? Like, you know, mm-hmm. like, I I don't know if the priest was just not expecting Nick D'Amato to say a name. Or, you know, maybe he did he he wasn't picking up where the confessional was going. But Nick D'Amato says Tommy Deal didn't deserve to die. And father, whoever that is in the little box, it looks at him like, what? And then uh, we see Tommy walk, I mean, Nick, uh, Nick walk out. And I'm thinking... Okay, so there's another murder that we have to uncover because we got to the bottom of the Carl Jeffries situation in this episode, Missy. Yeah. And it seems like, you know, I thought like, okay, yeah, likely story of like, okay, he ended up, he owed people money and then he was like showing off his brand new car. But it does seem like that that story ultimately seems legit, right? Yeah, we don't have any reason to believe that it's not, you know, um, because for a second, it did. I was thinking the same thing you were thinking. Like, what? This is this, this is too cute. You know, Jessica goes and there's like, yeah, he he was in with bad people. It was a drug deal. And he owed some people some money. He bought a Range Rover and they killed him. And he's like, she's like, that didn't happen. But then she goes over to Nick D'Amato and he basically says the same thing. Like, everybody is saying the same thing. Like, no, nah, it's, it's not that deep. You know, um, this guy was he died at the hands of drug dealers because he was he was into some shady stuff. And they're like, oh, OK, cool. Let's move on. So I think mm-hmm. they do that to kind of show us Jessica making her rounds, her investigating. They just kind of use it as a vehicle to tell all these other stories because the real mystery is what happened here with Tommy Deal. Now, does the call of Jeffrey things come back to be a bigger issue? I just don't see it. I feel like this this episode did a really good job of wrapping all that up. I felt very comfortable with saying that by the end of this, Carl Jeffries is dead and it was nothing to do with Nick D'Amato. Except for Nick D'Amato did pay him off. We know that much. 
Yeah. So who's Tommy Deal? No clue. And I guess that's our big mystery. Maybe if this is all a big flashback, maybe Tommy Deal's the guy from the photos in the first episode. Maybe. Hmm. Okay. Maybe. I don't know. I guess Maybe. we're going to find out. But yeah, I guess we're just like, uh, it's hard to get us like invested in this murder or this mystery if we don't even know who we're talking about. Right. Exactly. Which murder should we be invested in? That's the question. Yeah. Okay. Let's talk about what Jessica is up to here in this episode. Um, so um, we see Jessica with Jeff Malone a little bit. Uh, we had uh Seen her leave a voicemail for Jeff Malone, but we actually got to see D.B. Woodside in this episode. Yeah, and I was like, oh, Jeff Malone's back. I'm not disgusted by seeing him. At least I wasn't for like five seconds. And then I was like, all right, Jeff you know Malone, what? you're back to your old tricks. Can I tell you something? I, so I kind of forgot. Um, so he was like talking to her about like, He's like, hey, where are you? Are you at the uh, the lobby of my hotel? Uh, she was like, well, I, I can't get over there. He's like, well, like a after those pictures I sent you. I was like, oh. Yeah, nasty. Jeff Malone. Like, I was like, yeah, oh, you know, the pictures of the dead body. The dead guy, right. Because she's like, Jeff, for heavens to Betsy, I'm in church. Mm -hmm. He's like, girl what, you, girl, what you doing in church, girl? You know you don't go to no damn church. I was like, Jeff Malone, you nasty man. But at the beginning of this episode, Jeff Malone is still back to his old tricks. He's like, Jessica, you need to tell me these things. You need to let me know. You're, I'm worried about you. You need to stop doing these things. Jessica's like, leave me alone. I'm grown. I make my own decisions. I, whatever, whatever. Mm -hmm. I do what I want. And so... By the end of it, it does feel like her and Jeff Malone are on the same page, but I'm still not all in on the relationship. I'm sorry. It just doesn't feel right to me. <laughs> Jessica, Jeff Malone? It just doesn't feel like... It, it feels like Jeff Malone wants to be in charge. And Jessica's like, but I'm in charge. And I'm always in charge mm -hmm. because it's me. Like, he says, Jessica, you're not getting off this phone without giving me an answer. And she says, well, I'm about to get in the car. So actually, one of us is getting off the phone. Yeah. And you're not getting an answer. And I'm thinking... Yeah, why are y'all still having this conversation? How many? How long have y'all been together? Jessica does not have to do what you want her to do. Jeff Malone. Also, Jessica, if this relationship is going to work, you're going to have to give a little bit. You can't just keep bullying Jeff Malone and hoping <laughs> that he just has your back for everything. Like, I'm not a Jeff Malone fan, but at the same time, he's making some valid points. Jessica is also trying to buy a house for uh, her aunt and her cousin. Um, the aunt is very excited. The Aunt Lillian? Yeah. Aunt Lily, yeah. yeah. She's excited, but she also sees that this is absurd, right? Like, Jessica has a ton of money. I don't, first of all, I don't know if Aunt Lily knows how much money Jessica has. Mm -hmm. Jessica's loaded. She could go buy this house today. No payment plan. Right. Um, you just go put some money, put some cash on it, and be done with it. But she does correctly assess that. Jessica, you think my Angela is about to let you buy us a house? The same Angela that was like, I'm going to bring back the groceries that you bought when I when I made breakfast that time? Are you serious? Mm -hmm. So it was never going to go over well. But this is Jessica throwing money at a problem. You know, that's kind of her superpower now. You know, it used to be that Jessica, you know, she was this super powerful person. But now she's just a rich person who is clamoring to have the power that she used to have. And so she's throwing money at this issue. They're, I felt bad about the housing project. I said I was going to be able to save it. I was not able to say it, that you save it. You have an eviction date. Let me buy you a house so I don't have to hear about this no more and so that I don't feel so bad. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, it solves all the problems. But Angela's like, of course she's throwing money at it. I don't want her money. I want to be the one to work two jobs and to suffer and make my kids go without so that we can buy a house. It needs to be me. And I'm like, Angela, girl, shut up. Take mm -hmm. the house. Take the house. You're about yeah. to be evicted. Stop. <sighs> yeah. um, it's her pride. 
not only is it a pride, but I also think that you really can't trust large gestures like this. If someone wants to buy you a house, I think you should always be like, kind of like, what? You want to buy me? Like, this house costs how much money? And you just want to give it to me. Mm -hmm. What's the catch? What else? You know what I'm saying? Like, that is such a huge gift for somebody that I think, no, like, you'd be crazy to not kind of be shrewd about the agreement, you know? Yeah, but this is her family. Like, it's not like that she's getting scammed. Like, if a stranger wanted to buy you a house, I get that. I, I, I guess essentially she, a stranger. She's essentially yeah. a stranger, but like they, yeah. they know of her. Like, uh, could you? How about? How about? What if they start by Jessica rents them an apartment? Right, something like that. Could we? Hey, could we they, like have like an intermediary step? They, you are being evicted. Ninety days. You, you do not have days. a place to live. You will have a place to live. Exactly. That's what I'm thinking too. Come in and be like, hey, we're going to move you into another apartment. I'll take over the majority of the rent. Y'all's rent never goes up. You still pay the same housing projects, uh, prices that you were paying. I just supplement that. So you get a nicer apartment and you don't have to worry about getting evicted. Yeah. I think that makes more sense yeah. to Jessica being like, girl, get you a home. You know, right. like, what? Jessica's like, I, I bought the condo. You pay me the rent. I'm the landlord now. Right. And she's like, what? Now, now, now you want to be you want to be my landlord. <laughs> well, I, she's like I wanted to buy you a house. Yeah, but it's not like how about you just pay the rent to the place to make sure we are. You know what I'm saying? Like mm -hmm. it's it's a lot less suspicious if somebody wants to help you make a payment on something as opposed to somebody being like, now I'm in charge of where you live. Mm -hmm. Like, whoa, where did that come from? Big big rich woman. She's sort of like Big Bob Pataki with her beeper on, just trying to make decisions. It's like I don't know about that. Mm -hmm. So I don't blame Angela for being shrewd, but also Angela, girl, you about to be homeless. <laughs> Do something. Yeah. Okay, so um, we get a little bit about about the church. The pastor shows up, and the pastor's trying to get Jessica to come to church. He, he's trying to get her invested in the community. Yeah. Uh, again, the people in the community don't trust Jessica because they don't know her. And she's showing up and being like, I work for the mayor. They don't trust the mayor. Your aunt just sued the mayor. You know what I'm saying? Like, what are you doing? The, the city was just sued. And you're like, I work for the city. Yeah, we know. And you're from New York, and we don't trust people from New York. So you need to get invested in the community so that when you show up on these people's doorsteps asking all these questions and stuff like that, they at least know who you are, mm -hmm. that we know who you are. Because we see that the pastor is doing the same thing Jessica's doing. He's going door to door, talking to people and asking questions and trying to figure out a way to help the people in the projects. Where Jessica's kind of like, I want to investigate the mayor. I want to investigate these murders. And then I also want to do the, the project thing. And I also want to do this. You, you, she spread so thin that the people in the community just see her coming in and utilizing them for whatever she's trying to gain, but not actually being a part of the community, you know? And so the, 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 it seems like the pastor is trying to get Jessica back on the good foot with the people in Chicago, or at least in this area. Okay, and Jessica's trying to figure out what's going on with uh, this murder of Carl Jeffries. Uh, she's asking like a lot of questions. Um, we find out that Carl Jeffries, he was suing the city and then he pulled his case from the city and then he got a lot of money and then uh, nobody understands why. How did this happen? Who's, somebody gave him money after he stopped the, suing the city. The man was suing the police for police brutality. I, obviously, if it's like recorded and stuff like that, open it. Like, look, you're seeing the brutality they have to pay him off at this point or he sues the city for everything. You know, whatever. Like, he's go he's coming for money. He's he's uh, suffered some damages and he wants some money for it. Okay, cool. He does that. But they say, drop the lawsuit. All right. He drops the lawsuit. Nobody like, oh, okay, well, he was going to fight the city. It's understandable that you take the payout. Whatever. But 
He drops a lawsuit, shows up with a Range Rover. And it's like, okay, obviously this man was not only paid off, but then he also decided to use his money and be a flashy mofo. You know what I'm saying? Like, nobody needs a Range Rover. So people can have a Range Rover, but you don't need a Range Rover. So he shows up with a Range Rover and people are like, in the hood, like, oh, okay, obviously you don't care about justice. You want the money. Mm-hmm. Fine. Well, then he's killed. And you're thinking, well, if somebody paid him to drop the lawsuit, what's the point in killing him? And so now people are asking the questions. Like, you kill him, but you don't pay him off. There's no point in giving him all the money and then killing him. You just kill him before you pay him off. But that is not what happened here. And so now Jessica's like, well, there has to be a reason why he was killed after he was paid. And her number one suspect is her driver, Nick D'Amato. Yeah. Um, Jessica's going to talk to Carrie about uh, all this uh, also. And Carrie ends up talking to... Pat McGann uh, and talking about how Jessica's asking a lot of questions about Carl Jeffries. Mm-hmm. And Pat McCann's like, well, Carrie, you didn't care when we was, you know, when we made that lawsuit go away because Carrie loves the police. Like, that is kind of like her thing. She's mm-hmm. like a pro, she's very pro-police. And so she's like, yeah, I know, but I mean, just letting you know that, you know, if you're if you're out here bribing people, the city has nothing to do with it. He's like, okay, well, look, you don't worry about that. And I wasn't the one bribing people. And maybe you shouldn't worry about that so much because since when is this your business, Carrie? You kind of coming at me like you Bobby's girlfriend or something like that. And I was like, ooh. Mm -hmm. It feels like this is the worst kept secret in the world. Like, I feel like everybody knows that Bobby's sleeping with Carrie or at least Carrie's presenting herself like she's so important that it's very obvious that there's something a little bit more than a professional relationship. People love the gossip, Chappelle. Well, I mean, she's making it very obvious. She's Mm -hmm. storming in like, like his fixer. When from from a lot of people's point, points of view, there's nothing to fix. Mm-hmm. She's like, just so you know, Bobby doesn't need any problems. She's like, okay, well, Bobby's not even here. So why are you here? I'm just saying. It's like, well, are you the deputy mayor? No. Okay, then what are you doing here? I I I I care about Bobby. It's like, why? And how? Like in a sexual way? You know, and so that's why the uh, the Pat McCann is giving yeah. uh, Carrie nothing in these moments. Um so we find out, so Nick is like working for Pat McGann and he's keeping an eye on Jessica, but also that Nick, I think is starting to like, at least like have some warm feelings towards Jessica. He's not just doing the bidding of Pat McGann. Right. He's, first of all, he's already, he works for Bobby. He's moonlighting for Pat McGann and now he's Jessica's driver. So he's got like, he's got his feet, you know, in and out of both of these circles. And so, for him, he's like, yeah, I see Jessica's trying to do work, good work in the city, and she's trying to find out who killed this guy. Like, it's like I can't really scoff at that. This is nothing that you know mm-hmm. he probably doesn't want for his city. But Pat McGann is only here for money. He's only here to uh, for money and for control of this neighborhood for somebody who we haven't talked about yet. Some some random undisclosed person, and I guess at the end of the episode. But yeah, I think like he's like working speak- with like some um, like Asian investors to like uh, you know whatever uh, gentrification project of like you know big money coming in, and they want to like uh, have real estate investments coming in. Mm-hmm, exactly. And so I think Nick looks at all the causes and is like, well, Jessica's not a bad cause to kind of support. I mean, what is she doing that's wrong? But uh, he's also keeping an eye on Jessica because he tells Pat McGann, like, no, 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 I'm keeping her close to me because then I can see if she's getting close to any of my shady dealings. And Pat McCann yells at him like, no, fool, she's look, she's hiring you to stay close to you. She's investigating you because, again, she thinks that uh, that Nick was the gunman. She thinks that Nick is the one who actually killed Carl Jeffries. Turns out, Nick is the one who paid him off. Chappelle, we're going to see where um, 
as Jessica is investigating what's going on in this Carl Jeffries case, uh, that they end up talking about it with Aunt Lillian. Uh, she goes to see uh, Angela in the laundromat and she ends up finding out from Angela that it was the four corner Royals might've had something to do with Carl's death. And Jessica would like Angela to take her to go meet the four corner Royals. Jessica is a very intelligent woman, but this is so stupid. Um, Jessica is like, oh, a street gang. Well, well, introduce me to him as she's wearing the most expensive outfit in the laundromat. Like she's in a lot. I, I think this might have been Jessica's first time ever stepping foot into a laundromat. Yeah. Uh, because why are you dressed like that? Why? Why? And so Angela even tells her, like, could you change clothes when we go there? Because what are you doing? Who are you trying to impress? Mm -hmm. Jessica showed up like she was going to a, a board meeting or like a a, a banquet or something like yeah, that. Yeah, she this was like, like set up to go have a meeting like with Robert Zane. Right, exactly. A lunch, like a dinner. Mm -hmm. This is the laundromat, ma'am. So she goes to change into her street clothes and she looked completely unrecognizable just because she was wearing clothes that people could actually afford outside of her. Um, they meet at this like like bodega's house, like corner store, and in the back is where the royals be at. And Angela's like, okay, follow my lead. You know, let me do all the talking. But of course, like Jessica gets back there, she's demanding answers. And um, I really enjoyed this scene because mm -hmm. it, I was just like rolling my eyes at Jessica the entire time. Yeah. Okay. So uh, how do you feel like the meeting went with uh, Jessica and the leader of the Four Corner Royals? It, not great. Not great. Jessica almost got them killed, basically, because she's in there asking questions. She's like reaching for her purse as if she's going to do something. This lady has pepper spray. Yeah. Ma'am. That, what you gonna do? What you you gonna pepper spray somebody to death? Really? Mm -hmm. That ain't gonna do nothing. You know, at best, you gonna piss them off, and then <laughs> you gonna be running out of the out of the, the the little corner store trying to get down the street. You're you work for the mayor's office. You cannot hide. Mm. You know, like what what did she think was going to happen? She's like, I I had my mace, girl. Shut up. Um, you know, uh, I I thought it was a very funny scene. Obviously, the royals guy. He's like, uh, you you. I mean, I could do you this favor, but it, I mean, why would I? His name is Kevin Dawson. Kevin Dawson, like, I don't know why you think I would just start talking to the mayor's office. Like, what do you think this is? And Jessica's like, I mean, it'd be nice if you did that. Also, I, you, I could owe you a favor later on. It'd be nice for that. Um, and they make it out. They do. But they learn in that moment that, yeah, Kevin Dawson says, Carl's Jeffries owed somebody money and then showed up with a Range Rover so he had to be dealt with. It's like, you can't owe somebody money and then go buy a Range Rover because that person hasn't been paid and if you got Range Rover money, you got money to pay me back. Yeah. And so that's the end of the road for the Carl Jeffries story. As far as we're convinced by this episode now, does it come back up in future episodes? Maybe. Maybe not. Yeah. I don't think so, though. I think this is the, the end of that story. Yeah. Uh, and Nick does feel bad about the whole thing, uh, even though he wasn't, like, directly responsible for what happened to Carl, but, you know, was responsible for, like, getting him the payoff that ultimately got him the Range Rover, which got him killed. Uh-huh. Right? Yeah. Nick, De Nick D'Amato gave him the money. Yeah. And so Nick D'Amato like, yeah, I thought giving him the money would obviously get him off the backs of the police. Nick D'Amato being former a former police officer, he's probably invested in that as well. And he's like, yeah, but this guy is uh, like, you know, he's on drugs. He's, he's impoverished and he's not like the smartest person. So Carl Jeffries does what people in those situations normally do. Mm -hmm. They go and spend a lot of money. And so he did. And they put a huge target on his back. Not only did he drop uh, investigation against the police, which I mean, if you are a shady businessman, you want nothing more than the police to be like, invest like, put the attention on them, please. But he drops this investigation, 
and he goes and splurges a bunch of money. And so now Carl Jeffries needs to be dealt with. And so in order to pay his debt, they took his life. Let's talk about uh, the other storyline uh, that's going on in this episode where Derek gets assigned to uh, work with Lloyd Triple. And Lloyd wants to, uh, was it, uh, he wants to have a, a street named after, uh, na- named after his uh, childhood friend? <laughs> he wants to get a street named after uh, Fred Hampton, the uh, Black Panther. Uh, he's, he, we find out that he grew up with Fred Hampton, but this, this, this means a lot to Lloyd. So he mm-hmm. says, I really want to make this thing happen. Fred Hampton's a big deal here in Chicago, or at least should be a bigger deal. I want to name a street after him. And Derek is like, I mean, I don't, I, I don't really know Fred Hampton's story like that. And so Lloyd says, exactly. That's the problem. You grew up in Chicago, you're black and you went to college. And at no point you learned the history of Fred Hampton. That's crazy. Let's Shine some light on this person that in a certain neighborhood, he's very popular, but the largest city in Chicago should know the story of Fred Hampton. And so that's what Lloyd, that's the red wagon Lloyd is pulling in this episode. Mm-hmm. And Derek's in, like Derek's entire job in this episode is to just stall because Carrie wants Bobby to come back and shut this all down so that they don't poli- uh, piss off the police officers again. We can't name one street. Again, that's what Derek said. He's like, mm-hmm. it's one street. But the story of Fred Hampton is that he was a Black Panther who was murdered by the FBI. And so Carrie, being so pro-cop, she's not willing to bend there because she's like, what if I piss off the police again? You know, I don't want to piss off. We already did that with Jessica once. We've done, like, she sued the city. You know, she's really trying to keep that side of of Chicago at bay by not giving in to these bigger moments and giving uh, Lloyd what he wants. But yeah, everybody else is like, it's just a street. Go get some signatures, change the name of the street, move on. But Carrie's like, I'm in charge. You might be deputy mayor, but you're an old man. And I don't have to listen to you because mm-hmm. Bobby left me in charge, not you. Yeah. I like this character. I'm sad we're not going to see him on uh, any more episodes. Me too, because I like the fact that he was standing up for the, the story of Fred Hampton. You know, uh, he talks about him as an activist and a Black Panther and a hero or whatever. Uh, Rob, could you guess how old Frank uh, Fred Hampton was when he uh, was murdered? Now, we know he grew up with uh, Lloyd here, but how long do you think he was alive? Uh, 35. Fred Hampton was murdered in his bed in his sleep at 21 years old. Wow. Yeah. So the FBI conspired to murder a 21-year-old that was a hero in the community because he was attached to the Black Panthers who had done nothing in the community. And Fred Hampton was also vilified. And they, they obviously, based on what we heard in this story, they paid the family a million dollars. They threw the lawsuit, I mean, the, the, the case out against the FBI, paid the family a million dollars and get, built them a statue and moved on. And the story of Fred Hampton is not largely known by a lot of people. Even Derek in this episode says, yeah. like, I'm from Chicago and I didn't know. So that's why this means so much to Lloyd because... They did this to a 21-year-old while he was asleep. And not only did the shot that ki- that they had, they shot that initial shot, did not kill him. They shot him twice more for good measure while he was asleep. So, yeah, Lloyd is trying to show what exactly was going on in Chicago and the type of people that were making those decisions. And, and the reason why there's so much tension between law enforcement and, you know, the poor side of town or the black community or the side of town that even uh, Lloyd grew up in. And so for him... It was his childhood friend, but the guy was killed at 21. So this was his childhood friend until he was still basically a child. And mm-hmm. yeah, and no, he had only been an adult for several years before his life was taken. So it means a lot to Lloyd. 
uh, he wants it to mean a lot to everybody, but they're basically just trying to stall him until Bobby gets there. Yeah, so him and Derek go out and they're they're getting their signatures and is just trying to stall. But Derek and Lloyd like have some uh, you know build a relationship uh, that he Derek goes to Carrie and is like, uh, "Come on, can we just can we just do this?" She's like, "No, yeah. Mm-mm. I don't want to because it's gonna look bad for Bobby." He's like, "Will it look bad for Bobby or will it look bad for you?" Mm-hmm. And she's like, I mean, both both of those things. Yeah. Uh, eventually, Derek goes and talks to Yoli. Yoli. And Yoli, yeah, and Yoli, who is being, who, in everybody's business, she says, I, you know, people keep telling me, Jessica keeps telling me to butt out of stuff, so I'm going to try to stay in my lane. But Derek, when he, when he said, when he pushes for her to speak her mind, she says, all right, well, put your foot down. Stand up. You literally stand up. What is Carrie going to do? Fire you? I think you'll be fine. Um, and so he tells her, like, speak up. And so what, the, the half measure here is that uh, Derek tells Carrie, what you're doing is wrong. Stop trying to silence the deputy mayor. He is a man who grew up in this community. He has seen the struggles of many sides of this town. He is in a position of leadership and he's an old guy. And it's not respectful to treat your elders like that. And so go talk to this man. Tell him straight up. I'm not doing that. And be real with him because it's disrespectful what you're doing. And so she does. She goes to him and says, yeah, this thing is never going to happen. But I do respect you and your position. And I know we should probably give you like more uh, reverence as somebody who has helped be a part of this community that now we see as Chicago and the Pearson universe. Yeah. Uh, There's a scene at the end of the episode where Carrie goes back to talk to Lloyd about how that uh, she's not going to sign off on the street. And uh, Lloyd has some advice for Carrie as she's going through her life in politics. Yeah. Don't let your loyalty to the mayor turn you into something you hate. Um, And I think that that's exactly what this like. That's exactly what she should be taking from this. You know, um, Pat McGann is using his um, his influence to push the poor people out of the city. Um, whereas, like someone like Fred Hampton, who has we has I've heard, I've, I mean, I've talked about, has been vilified and murdered at the age of twenty one, was trying to uplift people from poverty. So, do you support the Pat McGann side of stuff, or do you support? The Fred Hampton side of stuff. Like, where do you land on this? Because you're so busy trying to silence me in this conversation for Fred Hampton that we're, you're empowering somebody like Pat McCann to do what they're doing. Mm-hmm. And so he's just like, just, you know, not to make any accusations of you, but maybe look at what's happening here. Maybe be more loyal to the city and your own beliefs than you are to Bobby. It also might be a little like dig at her also because, you know, she's a side chick and, um, you know, probably doesn't love that yeah so she's like hey why don't you remember that you know you're loyal to bobby but do you like yourself when you're being loyal to bobby because you're definitely a married man's girlfriend right now yeah i think it would have been interesting if jessica was involved in the storyline uh where maybe she could have gotten it over the finish line yeah but i mean i, I don't i don't know if fred hempton has a street named after him in chicago so i think like it would be it would be very yeah. bad on chicago for the, the show to get it happen and then the city of chicago was like nope still no um but yeah i would have loved to see jessica's take on it because jessica you know she's probably familiar with fred hampton but she also does not come from this area so she does not have the same connection to it the same that like lord would have right and you probably don't expect this coming from like an older white gentleman which is another reason why the story has so much nuance um because you're like well, why does it matter so much to you specifically he's like because i grew up here this was my friend where jessica does not have those ties and so i wonder if jessica uh, where jessica would have landed on this argument because her job first and foremost is to make things like life easy for bobby and you know that would not be making life easy for bobby so i wonder what jessica would have done in that situation we never get to find out 
Jessica's going to end the episode finally uh, going to church. Uh, she sees Angela singing at the church. Was that a surprise to Jessica? Did she know that Angela was in the choir? I think I think she knew Jessica goes to church. I don't think she knew Jessica like was in the choir. And Jessica had a solo. I mean, I'm sorry, Angela was in the uh, mm-hmm. choir, and Angela had a solo. Like so, Angela, she's like she doesn't know these people, Rob. That's why they don't trust her. Don't she trust shows her. up. She's like, girl, you sing? Yeah, yeah, lady. How long have you been here? You don't know I'm the lead singer of the choir. You, that, are you really trying to get to know your friends and family, or are you just using them for whatever you know ghost chase that you're on right now? Um, I don't really know. You know why Jessica can't tell these people can't trust her, but everybody else is trying to pull her in. She just needs to let go and allow them to do it. Okay, Chappelle. Anything else from this episode? Uh, no. I I I thought the episode was very interesting. Like I said, you do get the history of Fred Hampton in Chicago. You get the the movement with Jessica being more ingratiated in the community. I mean, now she even knows a local drug dealer. You know what a difference mm-hmm. one episode. <laughs> yeah, they don't um, have to go to the coffee cart guy. Exactly. Yeah, that too. Um, well, I said, I'm sorry. I don't know if this man deals drugs. I know he does drugs. He's also gang related. So she knows the the, the leader of a local gang. Um, but again, she's more ingratiated. It's not what you know, it's who you know. Exactly. And she didn't know anybody in the community. She showed up here, a foreign person where everybody was like, you're from New York. You don't fit in here. You don't know how things like how things go on here. Yet in this episode alone, she got to know a lot of people in the community. And so I don't have a huge issue with the episode as a whole. I just wish that there was a little bit more excitement. You know, right now it's a lot of like, this is like a, what, like almost like a procedural, you know? And I'm like, eh, you know, there's not suits. And I really enjoyed suits. I think I'm, I'm like, it's tonally, it's a very different show. It's not what we signed up for, but I don't hate it. You know, and I, like I said, I like, I think Jessica is a compelling character. I think they, they, they would probably do better to inject him a little bit more of the relationship building with Jessica and some of these other characters, because I thought Yoli was going to be her Mike Ross. And it looks like she's like, no, get away from me, Yoli. Don't talk to me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Don't ask me about Jeff Malone. Don't ask me about my aunt. She's shutting down what I thought we were going toward. Yeah. Yoli and Derek have like one scene in episode, so I don't even get the will they won't they from them. Um, Bobby's gone, so you don't yeah. even get to talk about the mess with him and uh, Carrie. Yeah, very interesting episode to put in the middle of the season. It's a show. It's it's not bad, but it's it's not Suits. It's it's not must see TV. You mm-hmm. know, Suits was a uh, light, lightning in a bottle. I think uh, it, so much that it even struck twice. Uh, but I think that uh, here. Yeah, maybe if they had given it a second season, it would have time to develop into a little bit more. Mm-hmm. But right now, it feels like a like a slow burn. And I don't know. I, I think knowing that there's only 10 episodes, you know, I know that we don't have that much more for it to burn very bright. So this weekend is going to be the Super Bowl coming up. And mm-hmm. so a lot of hype out here in Suits Nation for a Suits Super Bowl commercial. Yeah, Suits Super Bowl commercial. Uh, Did you I, see the latest Lynch? news also? Uh, no, last thing I saw was I thought it was Lewis, Lid, Donna, and Jessica. Is that the three? Yeah, and I feel like that I thought that I saw that. Is Judge Judy involved also? Excuse me? Yeah. What is Judge Judy going to do here? Judge Judy. Uh, actually, I think that we could probably uh, look at I, I kind of want to see it on the Super Bowl. I kind of don't want to get spoiled. Uh, right. But Judge, yeah, Judge Judy is involved with this as well. Judge, it's, In- Judge Judy is involved with Lewis and Jessica and Donna. Oh, 
Oh, so the commercial already dropped. Yeah, they, you out. know what? They leak these Super Bowl commercials. Like, I really, you could watch all the Super Bowl commercials like on YouTube a couple days before. And it's, it's, we're recording this on Thursday. And that, um, it's like a judge, it's more like a Judge Judy episode, but then all like the suits characters are in Judge Judy's courtroom. Oh, well, that sounds like fun. Because imagine if Judge Judy was a suits in, I mean, a judge in the suits universe, right? Mm-hmm. Where Mike Ross is in there lying and Judge Judy's Get just some like dirt yelling at on him. Judge Judy. Yeah, but she's yelling at him at the courtroom. Like, she's not going to do deal with a lot of, like, Lewis posturing and Harvey yelling about stuff. Like, Judge mm-hmm. Judy's going to take control. She will be the star of that show. I I, I don't want to wait until the Super Bowl. I think I might watch it tomorrow. I okay. might watch the clip because, you know, during the Super Bowl, if you blink, you might actually miss one of these questions. Be on the That's lookout also for Megan Trainer is also going to be there. Ah, all about that base, Megan Trainer. Yeah. Right? <laughs> okay. I wonder what she has to say about that. Um, then also RuPaul's Drag Race alum Heidi in Closet. Okay. I don't know Heidi in Closet. Mm-hmm. Um, again, Heidi in Closet. I'm not quite sure what we doing. Yeah, I don't know. I'm not, not quite sure what is happening in the commercial. But it sounds like a lot. And like most Super Bowl commercials are, right? So I'm, I'm looking for a spectacle. And I'm hoping that we keep this Suits mania going. I really like, I like that we had Suits on the Emmy, Suits in the commercial. And we know Suits is coming yeah, soon. It's the hot. Suits, you know, suits LA. Yeah. But... In the meantime, what are we going to do to keep the suits light burning? I think that it's, you know, they can't, they can't let it lose steam. It's like, I honestly think they waited a pinch too yeah. long to get the rollout for Suits LA. Okay. Um, and then also that there's going to be some more suits people on uh, Lone Star. Yeah. Should so we, do we, we need talked to about podcast Lone Star? No, no, we don't. Uh, uh, I don't think Lone Star is suits. And I think that we would be disappointed there as well. Um, yeah, but this crazy trio was added to the cast for mm-hmm. 911. So Gina Torres was already in it. Yeah. But now Jeff we Malone. have Sean, Jeff Malone, Sean Cahill, and is that Katrina Bennett? Katrina. Yeah. Now, I do like me some Katrina and some, and some Sean Cahill, Jeff Malone, you know. Mm-hmm. I like D.B. Woodside and other things. I will say that. Um, yeah. So maybe, just maybe, um, maybe I'd be willing to check that out. If, as long as he's not playing Jeff Malone. Because D.B. Woodside in The Temptations, that was that was a moment. <laughs> Okay. Uh who gets the gritty today? Um Jessica? Okay. Did she do anything? Did anybody do anything? She brought the pepper spray to the meeting with the uh gang. Dummy. Uh I mean it's better than bringing nothing but Jessica, come on, man. Mm-hmm. Come on. Stop it. Okay. Stop it. Um yeah, give it to Jessica. I, I think I've already, I've already, unless somebody just does something spectacular, I'm all in on Jessica getting all the gritties. All the um, gritties. I would have been, I would have made the argument for Lloyd if he was able to get that that uh, street, street name changed, yeah. but he didn't get it changed. He failed, and so you get no, uh, no positive feedback from me there, Lloyd. You good shot, but no cigar, no okay. gritty for you. All right, so we'll be back next week. We'll be halfway through uh, season one of what's going on on Pearson. Yeah. And then uh, we, I would say what, like it's a mid season finale that's coming or are we just going to go? Like, I don't you know. I don't know if they're going to do it suit pacing. style. I mean, it's only, it's only a 10 episode season where the suits episodes used to be 16 uh, episodes mm-hmm. and then uh, have a mid season finale at 10. I don't think they yeah. cancel it at the mid season finale. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So no, we probably don't have a huge episode coming up for number five. Mm-hmm. So more of this, more of Pearson to come. Yeah, I, I, like I said, I'm ready. I'm ready to uh, complete the story. But Rob, with us only having five more weeks of Pearson, I have to ask: 
is this is this the end of suit yourself are we just gonna like not talk about i mean what i mean pearson's the last bit of the story for it's now the last bit of the story for now but then we have to maybe hope that we're gonna get suits la and hopefully it comes quickly and we don't have to wait like two three years for it i know it's like I, no we're not gonna have to wait that long there i mean they're saying that from what i understand they're shooting the pilot now to hopefully get a pickup for the fall Gotcha. So in the fall, we might have to run this back. Okay. That makes me feel a lot and better. And then look at us. We're it. positioned, ready to go. The preeminent Suits podcast. And we have a ton of Suits in the chamber. Dare I for say the, you know, a f- you know, pretty official Suits recap podcast. Yeah. Can I can I make a, like a suggestion about our Suits uh, coverage? Please. So... I think that like the past episodes, the archives, we might need those, you know, with Suits LA coming because people might want to binge all of it. And I don't know if it's like accessible because on suitspodcast.com. Oh, okay. I think yeah. Well, the, yeah, that's a, yeah, that's an off podcast meeting that yeah. we have. Yeah. I'm just saying, I'm throwing it out there because I've I gotten some feedback. They're like, maybe, I think, I think someone said that the, maybe the podcast feed doesn't show the back stuff. And I want everybody to experience all the suits, Rob. Yeah. Let's make it happen. Okay. All right. Well, I'll look into that. We'll get that all straightened out. Okay. Chappelle, where can people mm-hmm. keep up with you? Uh, at recapkickback.com. Yeah. <laughs> Go to and what, uh, what else are you working on these days? Everything. We're doing uh, the top five uh, of, of like these different movie genres and uh, like television genres, but they black, Rob. And so me and uh, Mari are talking about the top five black dramas, uh, classic black dramas this week with our special guest, the Purple Pants Badass himself, Bryce Isaiah. Um, so people can check that out. If you want to contribute to our ranking system and uh, do a, your own survey, to, you can go to the podcast feed uh, or Recap Kickback, wherever you get your podcast, or you can go to the YouTube comments and the show notes in the YouTube comment. Oh, I'm sorry, the YouTube show notes and click the survey link and submit your own so that when we go in to do our next recap, which is the top top five black comedies, uh, then we will have your data as well. We will talk about them next week. Uh, So those are the big things coming uh, for me. But you can also, of course, support and follow me uh, on all platforms. Recap Kickback. uh, That's Instagram, Twitter. And then I think it's Recap underscore uh, Kickback on TikTok. Okay. All right. Chappelle, great job here today. Thank you all so much for joining us to talk some Pearson. We'll be back next time. Take care of a good one. Bye. 